Who is John Smith? Who is John Smith? Who is John Smith? This is my tale from Riftdale. slowly begins to pick up as thick dark clouds creep across the sky and the sun dips behind the mountains in the distance. The abandoned warehouse enters my vision as I round a street corner. My name used to be, but no one's called me that in a long time. These days, I just go by the chief, and for the first time in all these years, I only have one thing on my mind. Revenge. See, I've been here before, but back then... Well, back then I was a different man. So shocked by the evil in this world that I failed to act. I had let down someone I cared about. I let the monster get away. I won't make the same mistake again. This time's different. Partly because this time is different. Were you to look at me now, a middle-aged man, fire in his eyes, white hot rage boiling in his blood, you may not realize that I was born over a hundred years ago. A time before electronic computers, a time before forensic analysis, a time before... color... Back then, tracking perps was hard. Partly because describing leads was so much harder. Chief, we got a lead on the double homicide case. A report came in that described the suspect driving a gray sedan. Should I put out an APB? An all-points bulletin? Yeah! On a gray sedan. Yeah? In a city full of mostly gray sedans. Go ask if they could be more specific. Good idea. That was police cadet John Smith. Good kid. We met a few years after I went on my hunt for crooked cops. Turns out a large portion of the precinct was dirty, and cleaning up left a pretty big dent in the force. So, naturally, we were in need of some fresh faces. And Smith just so happened to be a face fresh out of the academy. He had graduated high school only a few months before that. Simply put, he was about as green as they came. Anxious in the field, nervous around the perps. Hell, he hardly ever drew his gun. And he was the best damn cop I'd ever known. You see, for a lot of officers, it's all about power. Authority. A perverse superiority complex fueled by a deep lack of self-confidence. But Smith, Smith went out of his way to avoid having authority over people. All right, listen here, dirtbag. My partner's going to have a word with you. And if anyone here's going to cut you a deal, it's him. So you'd better stay on his good side. Capiche? Oh, don't let the chief scare you. I don't bite. Hey, you know what? I feel like we aren't talking like equals here. 
Let me take those cuffs off of you. Smith! Okay, so bad news, the cuffs gotta stay on. But just pretend like they aren't there. <laughs> he probably sounds naive to you, but the suspects liked him. They trusted him. Everyone trusted him. You know, Smith was like a son to me. Saw a lot of my past self in him. I was only supposed to be his partner for a few weeks until we had another officer for him to work with. But I was the police chief. I got to call the shots and, what can I say, I liked working with the kid. Not that my reasoning was completely selfish. To this day, I don't know that we ever really weeded out all the rats in the precinct. Frankly, I didn't want to risk Smith mixing in with the wrong crowd. Working with the wrong people. He was a good cop. Something we were in desperate need of. Unfortunately, no one gets off easy in this damned city. And eventually, something else got hold of him. It's gonna sound ridiculous when I say it, but... Well... You see... Morning, Chief. It's 2 p.m., Smith. Oh, oops. Guess I lost track of time. Don't you have a watch? Not anymore. Like I said, I lost track of time. Did you just... Never mind. How was the new sandwich place? You had lunch there, right? Well, not to sound cheesy, but I'm not gonna rye. Their sandwiches are a handful. Jeez, Smith, cool it with the puns. Cool it? But I'm just getting warmed up. Why are you doing this? Dunno. I guess a punny conversation with an average fella running a sandwich shop baguettes for their punning. Baguettes? Yeah, you know, like begets. <sighs> so this is just a thing you're doing now, huh? Glad you pundersstand. Sounds pretty harmless, right? Wrong. It started harmless, sure. I figured Smith was just trying to lighten the mood around the precinct. But after a while... Well... Morning, Chief! Don't you mean afternoon, Smith? Nope. Morning. We finally tracked down Mrs. Nettle's son. He's dead, and his mother's... in... mourning. Oh. That's... terrible. Did you just... W was that a joke? I... guess it was. Jeepers, that was awful. I'm sorry I did that. By the way, is it really 2 p.m.? Jeez, time sure does fly around here. Holy hell, was that my clock? How'd it just fly across the room like that? I don't know. I'm just as awestruck as you. Ah! Whoa, is that a brick that just hit you? Why would someone throw a brick through your window? Damn it. Ah, I don't know. It has a note on it. What the hell? It just says awe. Gee, you really can't catch a break today. Ah, my back! <laughs> to this day, I'm still feeling that. We never did figure out what was causing this to happen. One day, Smith came back from lunch and just couldn't stop telling puns. And eventually, he went from uncontrollably telling these puns every other sentence to being forced into making them. Reality around him seemed to shift to make otherwise simple statements into puns, and it only seemed to get worse over time. Eventually, it all came to a head in a night that still haunts me to this day. It was late evening. We were investigating the yeast confections homicide. 
Uh, Yeast Confections was the name of a local bakery. It was an important case, because it was the first murder case Smith was leading on. I decided to meet him at the scene and check how things were going. I wish I'd stayed in the office that day. How's it going, Smith? Any updates? Well, we've located the murder weapon. It was a large serrated bread knife from the kitchen. It was ditched in a dumpster down the street. So it looks like this wasn't premeditated. Pretty vicious scene for non-premeditated. I'll say! They bis-cut him right up! Smith, what have I told you about making puns? Sorry, sorry, it just slipped out. Won't happen again. (sighs) Alright, what about leads on a suspect? Not yet. This guy didn't seem to have any enemies. Alright, better start running interviews. May have been a crime of passion by a family member or loved one. Alright, Chief. I'll give it a... Shot... Whoa, Smith, lower your weapon! Uh, I can't control it, Chief! In a panic, looking down the barrel of Smith's pistol pointed right at my head, my instincts took over. I drew my gun. And I fired. Smith! No, 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 god damn it, someone call an ambulance! It all happened so fast, I couldn't believe what I had done. I'd let down someone who trusted me. Again. (sighs) Luckily, he was only unconscious. My bullet had mostly just grazed the side of his face. Mostly. His left eye was too damaged to save. I used all my sick days and then some, sitting with him in the hospital. Although, I found myself questioning if he'd even want me there. The first few days after he woke up, he was quieter than usual. I realized he probably felt incredibly betrayed after what happened. But one day, he suddenly did a 180. He turned to me and he asked, Hey chief, you were scared, weren't you? What? That night when my gun was pointed at you. I, uh, I guess I was. Weren't you? Oh, of course. I was terrified. I just... I don't know. I just never thought about you being scared. (laughs) It actually sounds kind of silly now that I say it out loud. Well, yeah. Everyone gets scared, Smith. Bravery is just pushing through that fear. Yeah. Everyone gets scared. After that moment... It was like a switch had clicked in his mind. He was somehow nicer than he had ever been before. Wanted to help those who were scared. Let them know that it's okay to be scared and that there will always be someone willing to help. Someone willing to be brave for them. See, Smith had a new outlook after that day. About the criminals we worked to put behind bars. He said he started to see that a lot of them were just scared and desperate just doing what they thought they had to in order to survive. He even said that he was glad what had happened had happened, that he had learned a valuable lesson about fear. He even started bragging about his cool new eye patch. I've thought a lot about what he said that day. Fear causing otherwise good people to do terrible things. 
Even now, his words echo in my head. Was his outlook the right outlook? I don't know. Maybe it is. I try my hardest not to think about that kind of thing these days. What I did know was that I would never let someone hurt Smith again. I kept him listed as my partner indefinitely. Always went with him on calls and on patrols. And for a while, things started looking up. Miraculously, Smith's weird pun curse just disappeared one day. We grabbed sandwiches by a local place by the precinct for lunch, spent the rest of the day patrolling, and I noticed Smith hadn't made one pun. And that's why I never drink orange juice on Wednesdays. Huh. That's an interesting story. Hey, you haven't made a pun since lunch. I haven't? Nope. Trust me, I would have noticed. Why's that? Because every pun feels like a punch to the gut? Whoa, Chief, careful! You almost swerved off the road! Why'd you flinch like that? Sorry, I, I thought I was going to be punched in the gut or something. Oh, no, I made that one on purpose. I think I'm cured! I don't know that I'll ever understand the strange things that happen in this city. Even now, how we ended up here, in this time place? Hard to say. Again, I don't understand the strange things that happen in this city. Most of my memory of the event is fragmented. Not sure why. Normally, my memory's like a vice grip, never letting go of anything. But suffice to say, something happened that landed me and Smith here, in this Riftdale. Everything here is different. Computers everywhere you look, entire phones in people's back pockets, and so much color. Took a while for us to get used to it, but luckily we found something familiar. The precinct. Renovated, but definitely looked like the same building. Turns out they had our badge numbers on file, and an old cabinet in the back. The police chief, the current police chief, said according to the file we'd been inactive for 77 years. He was understandably surprised and said that it must have been a mistake and that he'd happily reinstate us after we passed our police exams. Police chief. Took a while for me to get used to calling someone else that. And I don't know that Smith ever did. If I remember right, his exact words were... He's nice and all, but you'll always be my police chief. Like I said, Smith never did care much about authority. Anyway, we were eventually brought on to work a case involving a deranged man dressed in a clergyman shirt and black jeans and combat boots, otherwise known as the Priest. If you can believe it, he was a successful con artist, despite his strange getup. He was also directly linked to at least two murders. Although, the longer we chased him, the more his rap sheet started looking like that of a serial killer. I began to realize that this guy had no limits to what he'd do for cash. Human life didn't mean anything to him. Money did. I still don't know why he needed so much cash. Hell, at some point he graduated from common con man scamming citizens 
to full-on bank robber. The bastard hit Focus Financial without any help. We arrived on the scene expecting a full platoon of people with guns, but found out it was just one man, and that he had already made off with the cash. The priest was an expert, he was determined, and he was dangerous. Despite all that, though, Smith was determined to bring him in alive. See, this case was technically assigned to Smith. I was just tagging along. For some reason, despite this guy's monstrous crimes, his digital records were all missing, and most of the other cops said that they'd never heard of him. I was getting a nasty case of deja vu. Luckily, me and Smith had a habit of keeping written records too. Never did trust computers. Long story short, the current police chief didn't believe it was a serious case, since the record wasn't on file. So, he assigned it to Smith. Because while Smith got along well with the other cops, they didn't think he could handle anything serious. What an ironic turn of events. Anyway, it being his case, Smith wanted to set an example of what good police work looks like. Protecting and serving. Even when the person you're protecting is a cold-blooded killer. We'd had a lot of back and forth on the topic, but eventually, I made him make me a promise. Look, I get you want to help him, but if it comes down to it and things go south, we do it my way. But, Chief... No buts, Smith. This guy is rotten to the core. If things get violent, you take the first shot you get. He won't hesitate to kill you, so you shouldn't hesitate either. Fine. Promise me, Smith. Promise me that if it comes down to it, you'll shoot the priest. All right, all right. I promise that if I have to shoot, I will. But if he can be talked down, you have to promise that you'll let me talk him down. (sighs) Fine. It's technically your case, so we'll try it your way first. But if that doesn't work, remember, you promised. Thanks, Chief. I won't let you down. I promise. I know you won't, Smith. You're a good kid. And an exceptional cop. He was a good kid. And he was an exceptional cop. I'm sure you can see where this is going. Same night, we got a call. Domestic disturbance on 1st and 3rd Ave. Nice enough part of town. Shitty apartment complexes, though. Mostly vacant. Don't make them like they used to. Realized I left my gun in my desk at the precinct. Figured it was just a couple bickering and screaming at each other. We'd stop by, tell him to cool it, and clock out before midnight. No need to go pick up my gun. I was wrong. Uh, Chief? The priest is in here! Shit, my gun to the precinct! Smith, pull your gun! Sir, I need you to put down your weapon. How about this? I'm gonna count to three, and then you'd both better be out of here. Smith... I like your boots. Never seen a priest wear combat boots before. One... Smith, remember your promise. Uh, how's your family? I bet they're worried sick about you. Two... Smith, we tried it your way, now we do it mine. Uh... 
lovely weather we're having. Chief, I'm sorry. Smith broke his promise, and that was his dying thought. His last words were an apology. I'd let Smith down again. I didn't come into the precinct again for a week, nearly drank myself into a coma. I only stopped drinking long enough to attend the funeral, but the strange part is, I was the only one there. Smith was friends with just about everyone he met, so why did no one attend? I dragged myself back into work the following week. Didn't get any work done. Just spent a lot of time going over the case file and staring at the coroner's report. You all right, hun? You've been real quiet all day. That was Susan. She worked dispatch. Real sweet lady. Used to bring me and Smith coffee in the mornings. I miss that. Is that a coroner's report? Who's John Smith? Who is John Smith? I couldn't believe what I'd just heard. Only two weeks ago, she and him were like best friends. I told the other officers, and they replied, Who is John Smith? Everyone I talked to, everyone, gave me the same answer. Who is John Smith? The current chief of police, police dispatch, even the goddamn coroner who signed his death certificate. Who is John Smith. This city had managed to erase all memory of him. After that, I stopped showing up to work. Everyone else may have forgotten John Smith, but I hadn't. And I certainly had not forgotten the priest. In fact, I interrogated one of his friends, a local artist that happened to be there that night. Not sure why. But the priest had been selling off his paintings for a quick buck. Told me about an organization that the priest worked with. The Eye of the Rift. Priest owed them money for some reason. Problem is, I had no idea how to reach them. Seemed most people didn't. In fact, most people didn't even know they existed. But I had a feeling that if anyone did, it'd be that crazy conspiracy theorist on the radio. Constantly ranting and raving about weird shit that no one's ever heard about. It was a long shot. But it was also the only shot I had. He's here. Turned out he did know. Said they listened into his broadcast all the time. He didn't actually seem all that crazy a guy, all things considered. Although, he didn't flinch at having a gun pointed at his head. That was pretty weird. Because of that, it seemed forceful interrogation wasn't going to work with this guy. So instead, 
we got to talking. And funny enough, he was more than eager to hear about Smith. In fact, we made a deal. I tell him the story, give him the information I had, and he airs it. Reminds everyone who Smith is. Was. And I was more than happy to accept. As far as contacting the I, he said he didn't have any way to do so. But he said he'd announce on air that I was looking for him. And sure enough, one hour ago, I got a mysterious call. A strange robotic voice was on the other end. It told me that the priest would be at an abandoned warehouse on the edge of town in exactly one hour. The warehouse I'm about to enter. Storm's just about here. Good. Maybe the thunder will mask the sound of the gunshot. That's him. That's the voice. He's somewhere in this building. Whoever it is, you're trespassing. I mean, I guess I am too, but that's not important. This whole place is a mess. Winding metal racks that stretch to the ceiling. Wooden pallets and empty cardboard boxes strewn everywhere. I'd better keep him talking, or I'll never find him in here. Your actions just caught up with you. Show yourself and I'll make it quick. My actions? What actions? Are you one of the guys who bought Sinscreen off me? Look, pal, it ain't my fault you didn't know Sin isn't a real thing. You killed the wrong cop. What? Cop? Wait, are you a cop? Shit, Bart really wasn't bluffing. Look, you'd better get out of here, because you ain't taking me in. Don't intend to. What? You're just gonna kill me? I thought you said you were a cop. Not anymore. Jesus, man, what is your deal? And do you really think that you can kill me? I know I can kill you. I dare you to try, motherfucker! He's close. Probably on the other side of this rack. Better stay quiet. Hello? What's the matter? You scared? Show yourself, bitch! Yeah, he's definitely around this corner. Clear as day. In fact, it sounds like he might even be facing the wrong way. If he'd just shut up and listen to my footsteps, he'd hear me coming from the other direction. But he's scared. Everyone gets scared. Ha! Coward! I thought you'd chicken out. You thought wrong. What? Ah, fuck, my knee! God damn it, my shoulder! Ah, okay, okay, you win. I can't fight back. What do you want? I want my partner back, you sick son of a bitch. Whoa, 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 don't point that thing at my head. Uh, look, if you kill me, uh, then you're no better than me. And your partner wouldn't want that, would he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to be like me. Your partner wouldn't want you to be like me. You know, maybe you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Just, just, just lower the gun. 
too bad he's not alive to say so. Ah, oh, come on! I just have one question for you. Okay. Fine. What is it? Who is John Smith? Who? The shot rang out. The final exclamation mark at the end of this many years old novel. Square between the eyes. Taking the shot felt good. So good that I might go ahead and take a few more. Alright, I think he might be dead. I stare at the body. Weird character. Clergyman shirt, and then tactical clothing from the waist down. Small Bible peeking out of one pocket, and a wad of cash peeking out the other. A rosary dangling off his belt loop, and a silver 357 Magnum on the floor next to him. And that's not to mention the deep scars around the top of his head, and on the palms of his hands. I don't know that I'll ever understand what his deal was. I don't know that I'll ever understand any of the strange things that happen in this city. But it's done. It's about time I got out of here. Parked my car a little ways away. Didn't want the priest hearing me drive up. And as I make my way back toward the sidewalk, I remember the other half of my agreement with the robotic voice. We will provide you the location of the priest. If and only if you agree to deal with our problem shortly thereafter. Clairvoyance. The not-so-wacky conspiracy theorist on the radio. They wanted him out of the picture. No, I'm not going to do their dirty work. But more importantly, the priest didn't know who Smith was. Seems sloppy for a professional killer to not know who he's killed, much less to not expect to be hunted after killing a cop. No, something's wrong here, and I know just who to ask about it. But first, I'm going to lay low for a bit. Something's going on in this city. The storm's brewing. Huh. He used to play this song in the car with me. All the time. I take a long sip from my flask. Wine and whiskey. No priests were harmed in the making of Tales from Riftdale. We're pretty sure that guy wasn't actually a priest. Hi, my name's Ben, and I write and produce Tales from Riftdale, as well as voice, the chief, the priest, 
and some other third guy that I can't quite seem to remember right now. The reassuring voice of Susan was provided by Riley. Don't forget to check out their art Instagram, All Middle Sliders. Also, keep an eye on at Riftdale on Twitter for a chance to be featured as a guest voice. The music of Interlude Noir was provided by Manet. Visit ambientmanet.bandcamp.com to hear more. That's A-M-B-I-E-N-T-M-A-N-E-T dot bandcamp dot com, or all the links I just mentioned will be in the description. It looks like this listener is about to share Tales from Riftdale with their friends. They're going to do it. My God, they're going for it. They're going to do it, folks. This is incredible. Oh, and I almost forgot to mention, thanks for listening. <laughs>